Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. What are we going to speak about this morning? That's been the question all week that I've had on my mind. And I kind of was, you know, how, how, a lot of you have been praying through this period of time, praying for our nation, praying for our state, our city, praying for the situation with this um, COVID epidemic. And, you know, it's kind of funny. We don't want to make all of our preaching about it, but it is part of the era that we're navigating through. And so you begin, and we pray for our leaders. We pray for our president. We pray for our governor. We pray for all of those who are making decisions. And part of what happens, and let's be honest for a moment this morning, is that we find ourselves getting a little cynical as maybe information comes out and maybe some of the projections didn't match up to the original projections. And then there seems to be conflicting stories over certain medicines. And then there seems to be the the um, inaccuracy, if you will, or at least the, of the reporting of deaths. And there's all these different things that are happening that have a way of making us some, <clears throat> excuse me, sometimes be a little more <clears throat> cynical, critical, anxious, angry, whatever it might be, you can fill in that blank. Um, and so I was, in, in thinking of all this, how should we pray? How should I pray? <clears throat> That's actually the title today, it, it is how should I pray? In, in this epidemic, in this pandemic, whatever you want to call it, how should I pray for my president? How should I pray for my governor? How should I pray for my own situation? How should I pray for my city? How should I pray about all of this? <clears throat> because we all believe, as believers, that prayer, the effectual, righteous, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We believe that prayer does do things, right? And yet, as I was asking the Lord, how, how should I pray? Well, he took me to a very famous portion of Scripture that I'm going to touch on a little bit. We'll see how far we get today. It's probably one of those messages at about three that Pastor Troy says, I always put in one. But we'll see how it goes. All right? And, and he took me to the Lord's Prayer. He, he took me to the, the Lord's Prayer which, you know, says, our Father, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm going to stop there because that's all the farther I think I'm going to go today. All right? I'm going to grab a drink here. I'm, I'm froggy. Can you? And no, I don't have COVID. So... <clears throat> So I began to think about this, and I began to process the Lord saying, look at this prayer. Look at what I told my disciples to pray. Look how I told them to pray in the midst of their asking me. This is how I told them to pray. I said, okay. So I began to look at it. <coughs> and the first part of this says what? Our Father. Now, I want to talk to you. There's three things that happen, though. When I begin to come to the Lord, and I come to him with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come on earth, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, there's things that happen. It's funny. How many of you know that are watching that prayer has a way of positioning you? 
That prayer has a way of positioning your heart and your spirit and your mind. That prayer sometimes has a way of recentering us in the midst of whatever it might be that's going on. If you pray and it doesn't do something in your spirit, there's something wrong with your prayer life. Because what it means is you're only praying one way. You're not hearing from God in prayer. All right, so prayer has a way of recentering me, resettling me. It has a way of positioning me, if you will. And what we're going to talk about is how today it positions our personality, how it positions our purpose, and how it positions our priority. Because as believers, we have a priority and we have a purpose that sometimes we get away from, especially in moments of uncertainty, moments of anxiousness, moments of anger, moments, all the moments that you can think of. And so I want you to think about this for a moment. Our Father, stop right there. Our Father in heaven. You know, if you take a look at the teaching of God as a Father in Scripture, it takes a major turn, a major dramatic term, turn with the Jesus coming to earth. We see Jesus over and over and over. Over 65 times in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, over 65 times he refers to God as Father. And over 100 times in the book of John alone. How many think there's a theme we can pick up on there? All right. And Paul, the apostle, he echoed the word Father over 40 times in his writing. Now, you say, but why, what do you mean that our Father in heaven positions our personality? Let me give you quickly the definition of personality. The conditions or fact of relating to a particular person. The complex characteristics that distinguish an individual, a nation, or a group. So some of you can look at me and you know that I have this shy, backwards personality. There's laughing in the room of those who are here. Okay, I'm actually a little more shy than you might think. And some of you, people can define you by characteristics of your personality that distinguishes you. Or it is the totality of an individual's behavior and emotional characteristics. How many of you know people that can be up and down emotionally? How many know people that have behavioral you know, in and out of issues. All right? And so this personality is that which makes us up, the characteristics, the traits. Now, how does this work? Okay? First of all, I want you to understand something. The defining characteristic of our person, of our personality, the defining characteristic of the believer is that God's our Father. Listen to me. There is no other thing that defines you better than you are a child of God, that God is your father, that he is the one. He's your heavenly father. He's the one who sent his son for you. He's the one that your spirit cries out, Abba, Father. There is no greater defining characteristic in our life than that God's my father. And you see, that's incredibly important because it positions my personality in that it reminds me who I am. I'm a child of God. I am a child of God. Now, I'm not saying that we say that in arrogance because I've seen people say that in arrogance. It doesn't mean arrogance. It doesn't mean haughtiness. It means confidence because of who my God is, who my Father is, okay? I would never want to be arrogant as a child because it does not reflect my Father. Haughtiness does not reflect my Father, all right? Criticism, negativity, pessimism, none of that represents my Father, all right? 
my personality is positioned in that when I come to God and I say, Our father, my father, father, it reminds me, I'm a child of God, I'm a son. It also positions and reminds me of who he is. He's my father. He's my perfect father. He's not my imperfect father that I grew up with in life, or your imperfect father. He's not the father, he's not the father who may have abandoned you in your childhood. He's not the imperfect father of your childhood who may have abandoned you and abandoned your mother. He's not the imperfect father who may have not, nothing but speak negativity over your life. He's not the imperfect father who might have been the alcoholic or the drug addict or whatever. He's not that. He's a perfect father. And so now, when I'm coming to him in this prayer that Jesus instructed his disciples, I'm saying, Father, and in that moment, it positions me again. I'm a child of God, and he's my perfect father. Now, what happens is, from there, all right, then there's this relationship that I operate out of. All right, and, and now, what happens is the father-child relationship governs my emotions. Emotions are at an all-time high right now. I mean, get on Facebook this morning. You'll see it all. You'll see, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice in it. Three posts later, that no good governor, that no good president, that no good Nancy Pelosi, that no good. Hold on. Time out. Let's govern our emotions by the father-child relationship. In your own life, some of you who have kids, you have children. Or some of you as children remember how there's moments in your life where your emotions wanted to get the best with you. It might have been fear. It might have been anger. It might have been a number of things. And it was your father that come along. And because of his embrace, because of his interaction with you, because of his love, all of a sudden, it began to rein those emotions in. It began to govern those emotions where all of a sudden, no, 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 no. I can chill. I can settle because my father is governing my emotions. You see, it's in this hour that I have confidence. It's in this hour that I know that he's my father. I have hope in this hour and not despair because I'm in this hope and this relationship with my father. His spirit lives inside of me. As a child of God, my foremost confidence is in my father, not my president. Is in my father, not my governor. Is in my father, not my mayor. In my father, nobody else. Therefore, I come to him and my emotions get reined in. As a child of God, I know that he's going to meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Therefore, I will not be consumed with anxiety. I will not be consumed with worry. I will not be consumed with fear. I am a child of God. And I almost knocked the pulpit over. I'd have been made like, I'd have been on the video next week. All right? As a child of God, I know he's got my back. He positions my heart. This relationship, he positions my thoughts and my mind and my emotions. My father is on the scene. My father is going to fix this in my life. You fathers who are watching online, what would you not do for your child? Very little. Very little. When they come and they say, Daddy. When they come and they say, Father, I'm in need. I got it. Father, I'm scared. I got you. Come on. Uh, <laughs> I'm a grandfather, and I got grandkids, and I live with them, and it's awesome, and I love it. And, and it's amazing sometimes, you know. Like, I'll say, hey, somebody want to go down to the basement and get me this or that. And all of a sudden, they really don't want to go. Something has gripped their heart. What do I do? You get down there. What's wrong with you? 
Oh, let's go. Let's go. Lee, nothing around. Liam says to me last night, Liam's four, and I was going out to get a bottle of water out of the garage, and I'm going through the kitchen. Hey, Pap, yeah, you, you, you want to go? You want to come with me and save the world? <laughs> He's ambitious, I got to tell you. I said, what? You want to you come with me and save the world? Well, because he was being Spider-Man at the moment. And you got to understand, the bad guys were coming, and we killed some kind of crazy octopus. And I said, yeah, let's go, man. Okay, and we went, and we, we saved the world. <laughs> right? You see, I, I'm having some fun with that, but the fact of the matter is, as a father, as a grandfather, and you see your child or your grandchild in fear, you're going to govern their emotions out of that relationship. My and then one of the characteristics of my personality is my behavior. You see, it is also the father-child relationship which governs my behavior. And I don't even want to view it as a punitive thing, but I rather I want to view it as what it's supposed to be in that I as a son am representing my father. The spirit of my father is to live within me. All right? The intimate relationship with him is that thing that governs my behavior even during this time. Nowhere have I been licensed to operate as an ungodly person during a pandemic. The words out of my mouth need to be the words of my father. The attitudes of my heart need to be the attitude of my father. The, 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 the postings of my fingers need to be the postings of my father. You see, because we're going to get to the, why, why is that so important? Because listen to me. The next part of the prayer, which I'm not ready to get to yet, says what? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. My purpose in this life is to bring honor and glory and reverence to my Father's name. God, cause your name to be hallowed through me. Cause your name to be honored through me. Listen to me. There are times that things that come out of my mouth are not honoring to my Father. But when I went out of that relationship, the purpose of my life is to give him honor is to bring him glory, is to bring him, you see, when we, when we pray that prayer, hallowed be your name, which we'll get to in a moment, does, is it a declaration or is it a request? You see, I believe it's both. I believe we declare his name, but I also understand, help me cause your name to be hallowed on the earth, to be revered on the earth. Back to my father. It is this intimate relationship with him that becomes the filter by which I behave in this world, not so that I can get to heaven. And I ain't going to heaven by my behavior. I'm going to heaven by Jesus Christ. But my behavior reveals my Father in heaven. Martin Luther once said that if he could just understand the first two words of the Lord's Prayer, he'd never be the same again. In this hour of social distancing, I would suggest we draw closer to the Father. In this hour where we're separating and we're getting apart and we, we gotta stay apart from people, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you support it or not isn't the issue. Use the moments to draw closer to the Father. In this day of social distancing, he's not distancing himself from us. Aren't we glad for that? You see, because it hit me. I come and I say, Father, Daddy, when I pray, our Father, our Father prays, my child. I want you to think about this. When I come and I say, my Father, my child. 
when my children come and say, Daddy, I'm just like, get out of here, you little brat. Hmm? And as a grandfather, that one magical word, word in all the world, Pappy, like, just say that and it'll get you whatever you want. We'll go kill all the bad guys, save the world. We'll go watch a movie. We'll go eat popcorn. We'll play in the mud like we did yesterday. We'll stand in the rain and be silly and make, you know, announcements from WT4C, Weather Central. <laughs> because there's something, when they say, Pappy, yes, my child, yes. Listen to me this morning. You might be watching. I, I, I bet, nah, we'll see what happens. Even in this moment, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing right this moment, I want you to hear something. When you cry out, my father, he's saying to you, my child. You say, my father, what's going to happen with my business? I'm going to tell you. The The father wants to say to you, I got your business. I got your business. My child, I got your business. My, my, my father, what's going to happen with my children as I'm trying to teach them? And that's a fear on people's hearts. Am I going to mess this up? Yeah, you're going to make mistakes. But my child, I got you. I got your back. You can do this. You can navigate through this. You say, my, my, my father, what about my job? I'm going to meet all your needs according to my riches and glory, my child. Some of you need to hear the words, my child, this morning. Some of you need to hear, my child, I'm bigger than your past. My child, I'm bigger than your present. My child, I got your future in my hands. Some of you need to hear this morning, my child, stop worrying. My child, stop being anxious. My child, I got you. I got you. My child, my mercies are new every morning. My child, my love is unending. My child, what's he saying to you this morning? As you cry out to him saying, my father, what's he saying to you this morning? You see, allow those words, my father and my child, to center your heart, to center your mind, to center your emotions. The enemy's come to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy's come to make you a prisoner of fear. The enemy has come in this era to do all these things. But you're safe in the embrace of the Father. My Father. I, have a, I, used to do, I did a message years ago. said, I have a Father. His name is God. I have a Father. His name is God. You must, you must, you must, in this era, come back to that one relationship that defines it all. You're a child of God, and he's your Father. It'll make a world of difference in your heart, mind, and spirit. And then this prayer, Jesus said, part of the prayer was, hallowed be your name. It positions my purpose. As a believer, my purpose as a son is to cause my father's name to be honored. You see, when, you, when I say that phrase, Is it a request? Is it a declaration? Is it a petition to God, or is it a term of adoration to God? And I know that many of us would say it's a declaration, and while I believe that, 
I believe it's also in the context of the prayer that Jesus was actually teaching us something else. That is it possible that our purpose in our prayers is for God to make his name holy, separated, sacred among the world that we live? Is it possible, he's saying, Father, let your name be holy. Father, cause your name to be holy. But if I pray that, then I must live that. You see, the mood of the imperative that's in that phrase could be translated, may your name be hallowed, or let your name be hallowed. It's something we don't use today, but we could be saying, may your name be regarded as holy. May your name be regarded as holy. <coughs> my purpose as a son on the earth is to cause my father's name to be hallowed, revered, honored, and holy, not to be mocked by the world. My purpose to make his name famous. My purpose is for his name to be revered. My purpose, even going through COVID-19, is to cause his name to be hallowed and to be honored. You see, and then I got, what happens is, though, when I pray that, it's easy to pray it. But if I pray it, now my life has to align with it. If I pray your name be honored, I must live your name be honored. What comes out of my mouth needs to be something that causes him to be honored. What comes out of my actions needs to be things that cause him to be honored. And I'll be honest with you, I'm the first one to admit, everything out of my mouth and everything out of my lips and everything out of my heart sometimes is not something that would cause him to be honored. Am I causing, here's a question for you, am I causing his name to be honored in this day, through this era, through this whatever you want to call it, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, no matter your opinion on it. I'm not asking about opinion. I'm not saying we can't disagree. I'm not saying we can't be in disagreement with all the decisions that are made. That's not, of course, I don't agree with a lot of them. I don't agree with a lot of them, but it cannot rob us of our purpose. It cannot steal us from our purpose. It must not, it cannot. We're the body of Christ, we're the children of God, we're kings and priests by the blood of Jesus Christ. And as a son and child of God, as a child of God, we must live to that purpose of causing his name to be honored through our actions, our mouth, our attitudes. Why? so that the world may see him. Because isn't it more important that they see him than see my position as being right? I come to the Father and I say, Father, your name be hallowed. Help me do it, baby. <laughs> Help me. My purpose for living is your name. My purpose for my job is to make a living, but also a platform for your name to be hallowed. My purpose for my marriage is to cause your name to be hallowed. My purpose in all that I do, am I causing his name to be honored in this era? It is my action and my attitudes. Is my social media activity God-honoring? Sometimes yes, sometimes no, right? And then he says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this positions me, it positions my priorities. You see, when I come to God and I, and I, and I come to him and say, Father, Father, it positions my personality that, hey, that which distinguishes me, that characteristic 
I'm a child of God, and he's my father. And he governs my emotions, and he governs my behavior. And, and then I come, and I say, hallowed be your name, which repositions and positions my purpose. My purpose is to cause his name to be glorified. And then I say this prayer. Jesus said, pray this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Suffice to say, if Jesus is saying praying that, if Jesus is saying pray this, it is suffice to say that his will isn't always done on earth. And I will tell you, this pandemic, this whatever you want to call this thing, this virus is not God's will. He didn't create it. He didn't originate it. It's not his will. Your sin is not his will. My sin is not his will. The only thing stronger than God's will is what? My will. I can say no anytime I want. I can say no anytime I want. Your kingdom come, your will be done. The number one priority in the life of John the Baptist was preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That was his number one priority, to bring men to repentance by the kingdom of God. The number one priority in Jesus' life was what? The kingdom of God. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He spoke more about it than any other subject. He told the disciples, he told the apostles, go do this. You go preach this message. The kingdom of God is at hand. He appeared to them for 40 days after his resurrection and taught them about the kingdom of God. You see, John's number one, Jesus' number one priority, and the apostles' number one priority was the kingdom of God. And I would suggest our number one priority is the kingdom of God. The Bible says that he made us kings and priests to serve him on the earth. By his blood, he purchased us from every tribe, tongue, language, nation. And he made them to be kings and priests to serve our God on the earth. And how do we do that? We do that by saying, your kingdom come, by it coming through us. What are you praying when we pray that? We're praying for the power of God's domain to come upon the power of this age. We live in, a, we live in the same battle that has raged from heaven, from the same battle that has raged from creation. There is the battle that exists between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And we are children of light. We are sons of light, the Bible tells us. And what we do is we live praying and living for the domain of God to overtake the kingdom of darkness. We're praying for the authority of the kingdom and God's dimension to come upon the authority of this world. We're praying for God's kingdom to intervene and overcome the nature of this kingdom, right? To invade our culture, to invade our natural. Many of you this morning, how many of you would say, your kingdom come upon my life? Your will be done in my life. Your kingdom come upon my family, my church, my nation, my city, my, my friends. But see, here's the thing. Jesus taught that it did. He says, don't be afraid, little flock. For, what did he say? The Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. We don't enter the kingdom just when we die. We enter the kingdom the moment we come into salvation. The moment we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we're stepping into the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is within us. It's declared, the scripture declares we've received it. The kingdom of God isn't something we just experience when we die. As a matter of fact, I would suggest to you that the kingdom of God is something that governs our lives when we die. I mean, you know, sometimes we've got to die to self in order to step into that kingdom. Sometimes we have to die to our own will, our own thing. 
Am I presenting the kingdom? I got a couple questions. Hey, am I presenting the kingdom? Again, listen to me well. When I ask these questions, I am not in, in, in any way suggesting we can't have disagreement with anything that goes on. But am I presenting the kingdom in the defense of my president? I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad he's our president. But I cannot defend him at the stake, uh, and forsake the kingdom. How I defend him cannot forsake the kingdom. Oh boy, he's meddling now. I cannot, I can disagree with Governor Wolf, but I cannot violate kingdom principles when I do it. I cannot like, oh boy, really going down now. I cannot like the decisions that the Secretary of Health has made in her personal life, but nowhere have I been given a license to violate the kingdom principles in mocking her, ridiculing her, insulting her, and making her the center of my jokes. Oh my goodness. You're supposed to tell us we're going to make it through COVID-19. I am telling you we're going to make it through. But when we make it through, we're going to do it in demonstrating what the kingdom of God looks like. Nowhere in scripture have we been given a license to hate. We cannot wish for the death of certain leaders. God does not delight in the death of the wicked. We must get a grip on our emotions and we must get a grip on our priorities. We must get a grip on our purpose and we must declare the excellency of our God. Oh, I've made myself popular today. How many turned us off now? I'm having some fun. See, the problem is that the kingdom that I perceive <clears throat> is the kingdom I present. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drink, but righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Is that not what I should be presenting? Is it not what I should be presenting as his son, as his child, as his king, as his priest? The kingdom that we see by faith is the kingdom that we express by faith. The kingdom that we, of the future is the kingdom that we see in the present. I can see a kingdom without racism, therefore racism shouldn't exist in my life. I perceive a kingdom without politics, therefore politics is not gonna dominate my life. I see a kingdom of radical love and radical sacrifice and radical servanthood. That's what we're to be. You see, the kingdom shapes my speech. It shapes my speech, what comes out of my mouth. Your kingdom come prioritizes his kingdom over my politics. Man, we will divide families over politics. We will break friendships over politics. We will break friendships over temporary leaders. Leaders who might be in place for eight years at best, we will divide friendships forever. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Your kingdom prioritizes his kingdom over your politics. His kingdom come, is, we pray this, even if it isn't through my political persuasion. I would have never chosen Nebuchadnezzar for God to bring his kingdom. I would how he brought the kingdom into discipline in the Old Testament. I would have never chosen and voted for King Cyrus in the Old Testament. 
There's multiple ways in which God will bring his kingdom. And what we pray is your kingdom come, even if it's not through my political persuasion. Now, do I believe there are principles that we stand upon? Yes. Don't take this where I'm not going. Your will be done prioritizes his will over my will. I know what my will would be. (laughs) I know what my will would be. Your will be done prioritizes his will, even if it isn't my will. Hmm. See, your kingdom come, your kingdom come should prioritize his will becoming mine. It's not a prayer of, Father, make my will your will. No, make your will my will. See, it's easy to pray it. Okay, Lord, I'm coming to you, Father. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come in all those other places. But maybe I should be praying, your kingdom come in my heart. Your kingdom come and take over this will. Your will be done. As I surrender my will to you. You see, hate cannot come out of our mouth and display his kingdom. Hatred of people is never a display of God's kingdom. We can hate evil, hate what is evil, but we've never been able, called to hate those who may be evil or operate in evil. We must stop the hate rhetoric as believers. We must radically love in this hour. We must radically serve in this hour. You see, I'm, okay, let me give hope to the world. Come on, Troy. I'll bet you those hearts just went crazy on Facebook Live. (laughs) Prayer positions my personality, purpose, and priority. When I come and Jesus says, this is how you pray. I want you to pray this way. You pray, your Father, who's in heaven, hallowed be his name. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, when I pray that, it positions me. I'm a child of God. And that positions my emotions and my personality. And it positions my behavior. And then it positions my purpose. Wait a minute. My number one purpose, my number one purpose in life is to bring glory to his name. And my priorities. My priorities is his kingdom through me. His kingdom through me. His kingdom values through me. His kingdom culture through me. You see, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's no hatred in heaven, so therefore there's be no hatred in my life. There's no racism. There's no prejudice in heaven. Therefore, it should not be in my life and through my life. Praying our Father positions you under the covering of the Father. Praying hallowed be your name positions my purpose in this era right now. Right now, my purpose, through it all, is for his name to be glorified. Praying your kingdom come positions my priorities in this day. And my priorities is his kingdom. Nothing else. Everything else is secondary as a child of God. Everything as a child of God, everything else is secondary 
to his purpose and his kingdom, his name and his kingdom. Everything else is secondary. Praying your kingdom come positions my priorities in this era. And I think I already said that. What are you going to sing? No, I want to sing something else. I do have a suggestion. I'm glad you asked. I want to sing No Longer Slaves. Can you do that? You the man. I meant, to, I meant to text that to you about like a half hour ago and tell you how I wanted to end. But, you know, it kind of flips. It's kind of, you know, you know me. But I want to, I want to close with this song because in this song, it reminds us who we are. It reminds us that we are a child of God. It reminds us, and, and, and I wanted, what I wanted to do this morning is I want it to position your heart. I want it to position your emotions. I want it to position your behavior. I, wa- I want it to settle us. I want it to bring us to a place where we, we're settled in our spirit because I know I'm a child of God. He's my father. He's my father. I'm not a slave to fear. I'm not a slave to anxiety. I'm not a slave to sin. I'm not a slave to worry. I'm not a slave to hatred. I'm not a slave to racism. I am set free. I'm a child of God. And with that comes confidence. You be confident in this era. You can be confident in this era. Not because of who the president is. And not because of who the governor might be or might not be. Because you have a father in heaven. Allow the intimacy of the father-child relationship to quiet your spirit, rest in him, give you confidence as you navigate through. That you remember this phrase, when you are praying, my father, he is praying, my child. And he's going to speak to you. He's going to speak to you because he's a perfect father. And when he speaks, he's going to give you words of life. And he's going to inspire hope. And he's going to inspire faith. And he's going to inspire confidence. Even when he puts his fingers on things we don't like. But in closing, in closing, you remember this phrase. And you say it with me. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I'm not a slave to this stuff in the world. I'm not a slave to anything going on. I'm not a slave to all my past. I'm not a slave to the anxiety, worry, fear. I'm not a slave. I'm a child of God.